Hey everyone, I'm Misha Youssef. This is Tell Them I Am. So it was the summer before high school, and I had just invited a girl over to sleep over for the first time. Now, the sleepover is to middle school friendship what, like, meeting your partner's parents is to dating. I was nervous. I didn't have a lot of friends at the time, and this girl, Yara, was not just some nerd like me. She definitely was not eating her lunch in the bathroom. She was second-tier cool. Not one of the popular kids, but so close to the top. She said yes. So we're all hanging out in the living room, and my parents are asking her questions, like, where are you from? Nasrallah. Oh, that's an Arab name. And she, I will never forget this. She goes, oh, but I'm Christian. And she is, but she's also Arab. And she said it as if it made her, like, less Arab, or at least less other. And my parents are just like, okay, you're Arab, and we know just what to watch. So they put on the stand-up special. It's called Axis of Evil. Tonight, oh, yes, we are. Yeah. Really? We're representing our people, the Palestinian people. We're in Five different Muslim comedians post 9-11. And Yara loves it. It was kind of American and third culture and Middle Eastern all at the same time. And, like, we bonded. I mean, until me, all of her friends were white. It kind of became part of how we would talk to each other. Like, we would quote the jokes and stuff. And I remember one of the things we were laughing at was a specific line from Maz Jobrani said. Show doing something good, like, you know, like baking a cookie or something, right? Because I've been to Iran, we have cookies. Just once, I want CNN to be like, now we're going to go to Mohammed in Iran. They go to some guys like, hello, I'm Mohammed. And I'm just baking a cookie. Sounds familiar, right? So I'm still friends with Yara, and I'm still thinking about that line all the time. Showing a Muslim baking a cookie is kind of how I've been talking to people about this show. Which, by the way, if you are a Muslim and you have ever baked a cookie and you have photographs or videos, please, please, please tweet it and tag me. We're trying to get this thing going. It's been 14 years since that night. So when I was, I don't know, nine or 10 years old, Eddie Murphy was big on the scene. Um, I became instantly an Eddie Murphy fan. You know, sometimes at night I would stay up late and watch Saturday Night Live. So that, I think, turned me on to this idea of comedy and wanting to possibly do comedy. How you doing? My name is Eddie Murphy. I'm 19 years old, and this is my comment. I don't want to be... My next guest tonight is a very funny comedian whose latest Netflix special is called Immigrant. Please welcome back to the show, Maz Jabrani. Iranian-American comedian and actor Maz Jabrani. Now, he is the author of the book, I'm Not a Terrorist, but I Played One on TV. And it wasn't until I was in the... the, um, seventh grade. Now, in the back of my mind, I had the idea that I'm going to be, because Eddie Murphy ended up on Saturday Night Live at the age of 19. And I said, I want to be on Saturday Night Live younger than Eddie Murphy. I want to beat that record. First of all, when I came from Iran in late 78 to America, we left at the right before the revolution. And you leave your country, you come to a new country, and you're going to a new school. And so I remember I used to make friends. And the way I would make friends, I think I would be funny. I had a sense of humor, and I think being funny helped. So really, if I were doing psycho, you know, psychoanalysis right now, I would say maybe back then I was just trying to be accepted. So to be accepted, Maz becomes a theater nerd. In the seventh grade, when I was in junior high school, uh, I went to a school named Del Mar. 
there was an audition for a play. I think it was The Boyfriend was the play. So my friends and I, some of these guys, we said, hey, let's go try this out. Part of the reason was that all the, you know, attractive girls or just the girls in general were going to be there. We say, let's go do this. And we go on audition and we get in and we're in the seventh grade. The school is seventh and eighth. So the eighth graders get all the big parts. The seventh graders, for the most part, get all the background singing and dancing and what have you. I was one of the background singers and dancers. Charleston with me, da 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 won't you? Charleston with me, and while the band is playing that, oh, oh, do, do, around we will go, together we'll show them how the... And one of the things that we were taught early on, the director of this musical, her name was Shirley Bonbright, she said, when you're doing a musical, you're always smiling. Always be smiling up there, having fun. Coming up in an Iranian family, and I think a lot of immigrant families are like, like this, respecting your elders is a big thing. Respect your elders. Don't question your elders. I think that that don't question authority was in my head. When Shirley Bombright said, you smile, I was like, I got to smile. So I remember one day I came to a rehearsal and I was sick. I was under the weather and I told Miss Bombright, I said, Miss Bombright, I'm a little under the weather, but I'm here today because I didn't want to miss rehearsals. So she said, great. And so I go on stage, we're rehearsing. I'm in the background singing and dancing. And she stopped the whole rehearsal. And she goes, stop, everybody stop. She goes, look at him. He's sick and he's smiling. That's what you all need to be doing. He's sick and you gotta be smiling. Look, learn from him. And it was this positive reinforcement that, oh wow, I'm doing the right thing. So Maz has this respect your elders, don't question authority thing drilled so deep into him. It helps him be a better actor on stage. I think my, when my parents and family came to see it, my parents would come by and I think, I don't know if it was Shirley Bomber, I don't know who it was, one of the people involved, one of the adults involved had said, hey, your kid's got the talent to do this. He's got what it takes. And my parents, again, would very politely, oh, thank you, thank you. And then in the car, they would say, do not listen to her. She is crazy. You're going to be a lawyer or a doctor or a businessman or engineer, something like that. So that's the path they wanted. Should he obey his teachers and become an actor? Or should he obey his parents and make it a hobby? Well, being on stage as a, in junior high was, I loved it. On stage you were alive. On stage you were there for the laugh. On stage you were there for the applause. And there's a war going on in his middle school heart. Eighth grade, I come back and I get the lead role in the eighth, eighth grade musical. It was called Little Abner. The songs are still in my head. You know, you would sing with a Southern drawl. If I had my druthers, I'd rather have my druthers than anything else I know. And we would do the now, like that was an ex exaggerated accent. Maz memorizes his lines, rehearses his songs, practices his dances, and finally, the day of the performance arrives. It was in what was our gym that would then get turned into a uh, theater that would put folding chairs down. We'd be on the stage. And I remember my parents coming to the, to the show, and, and I joke about it in my stand-up where I say, immigrants, we don't travel light. We travel with the whole family. So it was my parents and my aunt who lived with us and my brothers and sister. And so it was a family affair. And I remember I grew up in Marin County, Northern California. It's a very uh, affluent area. But the people that lived there tended to be, at the time, very uh, subtle in their wealth. They would wear maybe khaki pants with a blue buttoned-up shirt, very quiet, maybe a blazer. My family 
thought, we're going out, so we got to get dressed. So they would dress. I always say they dressed like they were going to the Copacabana, you know, like my dad's got a red tie, a suit. My aunt, I remember, came with a mink coat, and I'm going, oh, my God. The one moment I do remember specifically is because I was the lead of the play, so I was in most of the scenes, and when you would sing a, a song in, in Little Abner, once the song was over, the audience would applaud. I just remember seeing my aunt giving a standing ovation. She looked like, it felt like she was a, um, a, a beacon of light in the middle of this audience. She was standing going, bravo, bravo. And I'm like, sit down. A few years later, Maz is about to graduate high school. He's been acting in the school plays the whole time. And his high school actually has a really good theater department. So it's not super crazy for kids to pursue acting professionally. And his director pulls him aside and tells him he has what it takes to make it as an actor. Maz, he's good at listening to adults, so he goes for it. He makes a tape, he submits it, he gets into NYU, and he goes home and tells his parents. And their reaction? It's, you need to know people. We don't know anybody in Hollywood. We don't know anybody. How are you going to make it in Hollywood? And also the idea of, you know, listen, you can go be, my mom would say, go be a lawyer. And then just on the weekends, you can tell jokes or do plays. And I thought, oh, that's, that's, a, that's a good compromise. I'll go be a lawyer. That way I know I'm making money. And I know I have a secure life. And then on the weekends, I just do my plays. So for years, Maz stays on the path his parents want him on. And he keeps acting as a hobby, a thing for weekends. But he just longs to perform. And like in his mid-20s, he works up the nerve to talk to his mom about it. So I go, my God, you know, my heart is on this stage. So tell my mom I'm going to drop out of UCLA to go and pursue acting. She's losing her mind at that point. My grandmother's living with us, both of them. Listen, you need a practical backup. This acting thing, you didn't want to be a lawyer. You did not become a professor. At least become a mechanic. I go, how'd you go from, how'd you go from lawyer to mechanic? There's so many other jobs. They go, no, mechanic is good because it's practical. If, you know, and they're coming from a revolution, by the way. So in their mind, a revolution will happen in your future. So when that revolution happens, you can go to Argentina and be a mechanic. So you need a practical skill. My mom actually said, nobody needs an actor. Everybody needs a mechanic. But this time, he's a little bit older. He has a little bit more courage. He drops out anyway. When I dropped out of UCLA to pursue acting, I started taking some acting classes and then I started auditioning and then I realized how hard it is to be a, an actor 
just starting out in Hollywood, you had to, to go audition for these student films or independent films. You'd read the script. The script was horrible. You'd go to the audition. There was a line out the door of people trying to get this part. And I'm going, how am I going to do this? So he gets a job freelancing as a copywriter. He can make his own schedule. He thinks maybe I'll work six months a year and just audition six months a year. If he can create this life that is stable and flexible, he can finally do this. He can make it all work. He knows it. I'm also trying to show my mom, hey, look, I've got a real job. Go in the advertising, continue in advertising, end up at another agency called Asher Gold. And that's where I was doing a play with a friend of mine. Um, it was a comedy on the side. So I'm basically doing what my mom had said to do, which was get a real job and do it on the side. So one morning, he's at his copywriter job, and he's making copies of the tape of the play he's acting in on the side. While I'm making that dub in the dub room at the advertising agency, this gentleman, Joe Ryan, who was in his 60s at the time, he sees it. And he's this super nice, encouraging, complimentary guy. And he goes, hey, you have some good comedic timing. Have you ever thought about acting professionally? And I said, Joe, you know, my high school teacher told me I should do it. My, I took one class in, at UC Berkeley, the guy said I should do it. And junior high school, I love doing it. And I said, you know, I have this game plan. I'm, I'm 26 right now. I'm going to try and save up enough money so that when I'm 30, I can just pers- you know, dabble in it a little bit and see what happens. He says, let me talk to you. Takes me into his office, sits me down across from him and says, I'm in my 60s right now. And he goes, when I was in my 20s, there were some things I wanted to do, but I never got around to doing it. So he goes, if you really want to do it, you should go for it. It's like all this time, he just needed the right authority figure to drive the point home. And it was a light bulb moment. It takes someone else telling him that he's the one who's been standing in his way for him to realize it wasn't his parents. It was just him, his inability to disobey authority. He was never in either world because he was trying so hard to do both. And I told him, you know what? You're right. I went to my boss, this guy, Bruce Dundor, and he was very nice about it. I said, Bruce, I'm going to make acting and comedy my priority. I said, I got no gigs right now. I got no auditions, but I'm going to get into classes. Just giving you a heads up. He goes, all right. And I signed up at that point for sketch comedy classes at a theater called the Acme Theater. I met this lady, Judy Carter, who taught stand-up comedy classes, took the stand-up comedy classes. So I just started going wild. I would go, I did stand-up in strip clubs, um, in coffee shops, church basements, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous meetings, uh, you name it, we did it. And it was, and that was 20 years ago, and I've kept going since. When I started 20 years ago, in the Iranian community, it was looked down upon to do something like this. So I felt judged by people as if they were saying, oh, did you hear about Jobrani's son? Yeah, he's almost a drug dealer. That's how I feel that people felt about it. Now, once I did it and people saw that you can be successful, I'll do shows sometimes and sometimes the, the a kid will come up with their mom or dad and they'll say, oh, he loves acting and wants to get into it. What should he do? I say, start doing plays at school. Remember when he said he wanted to beat Eddie Murphy's record? He didn't. It took him too long to start acting and doing stand-up professionally to get on SNL before 19. But... Years later, when I become a regular at the comedy store, Mitzi Shore makes me a regular. And, you know, they're supposed to put your name up on the wall. And it took a few years for my name to finally end up on the wall. But once it did end up on the wall, I went to see it. And it was in the front, in the very front, right by the main room. 
you see my name, and then a little bit above it, you see Eddie Murphy's name. And I go, holy moly, I'm now performing at the club that Eddie Murphy used to perform at. You can learn more about Maz Jobrani by watching any of his comedy specials or checking out his Instagram or Twitter at Maz Jobrani. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Tell Them I Am. I'm Misha Youssef. This episode was sound designed by me. It was written by me and Arwen Nix. Mary Knopf is my producer, and don't tell James Kim, but she thinks he has really nice hair. Arwen Nix is our editor. Valentina Rivera and Sean Corey Campbell are our engineers. Our beautiful music is by David Leinard. You can find incredible illustrations of all of our guests as the episodes release. Thanks to Emin Ahmed for those. You should really see them. Follow me or Emin on Instagram. Find me at Misha Youssef. Our beautiful series tile art is by Elizabeth Goodspeed. This podcast was originally a production of LAS Studios. Now presented by Higher Ground Audio and Spotify. We'll be back tomorrow with another story.